This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back, my friends. Today we have a special guest who is an entrepreneur, an editor, and a voice actor based in New York City. He's also the co-founder and the editor of Barbend.com. It's a media brand that provides multi-platform coverage of news, analysis, training, and opinion in strength, training, and sports. Uh, David is our guest today. He is a 2019 Forbes 30 under 30 list maker for media as a veteran of the health and fitness industry, and he has nearly a decade of experience building and running editorial teams in that space. David has graduated from Harvard University, and he served for several years as an editor and the CRO, yes, CRO of Greatest.com. Everybody, welcome, David Tao. How's it going, David? Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure having you. And I got a, a tongue spasm there with uh, CRO. Right? It's, it's a weird one because it's not something that when you, when you think about a C-suite, you think CEO, COO, CCO, CFO. <laughs> Chief yeah. Research Officer, that's not something everyone has, so it's a little weird. I was going to say CCO, and it sounded a bit weird because it was the Chief Content Officer, but it was Research, Chief Research Officer. Yeah, CRO can also mean Chief Revenue Officer with some, at some company, so it gets really confusing. Exactly. So, yeah, let's start by telling us, David, who you are, or let's talk about who you were before you were being a Forbes 30 under 30? Uh, well, thank you for, thank you for the intro. Um, so I'm, I was born and raised in, in Kentucky and grew up in a small town in um, central Kentucky. So for those who are geographically, I would say geographically challenged, but not a lot of people know where, where I grew up. It's very much the middle of uh, the United States, far away from pretty much everything uh, that most people know. But I always had an interest in writing and was very into, um, you know, literature and uh, working on, you know, my high school paper and all, all that sort of stuff. So when I went to college, uh, I knew that's something I wanted to pursue, different types of writing. And after I graduated from college, I decided to pursue a career in journalism. So I actually worked for a time for Fortune.com, writing for their website. Uh, but it was at around the time when print journalism was not doing so well. And it's still not doing super well, but at the time, uh, a lot of big outlets, the major legacy brands, uh, especially magazines, were, were really struggling. And that's what I kind of thought I wanted to be. I wanted to be a magazine writer. But the jobs were all online. They were all in digital media. So I ended up for a few years working uh, purely in digital media in, in New York, um, moved to New York right after college. And kind of fell into inadvertently and not really something that I intended to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm lucky it happened, kind of fell into fitness content. So working with Greatest, which was uh, which is the fitness uh, website still around, mm -hmm. uh, and then working, um, I contributed articles covering the CrossFit games in its early days and basically writing for a lot of different outlets about fitness and strength sports and sports within kind of the fitness realm. And that experience led me to do more and more and more in the fitness space, in the fitness content space. Fast forward a few more years, uh, in a few different positions, and I co-founded barbend.com because I love strength sports, weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, strongman, 
but there wasn't this place online where you could get all the info you wanted on all of those. So we decided to start it. And that's, that was in March, uh, launched that in March, 2016. So here we are almost four years later as of this recording. Wow. And tell me something, graduating from Harvard, of course it is a big deal. So has that helped you in business? And I don't mean what you learned there, the fact that that's where you graduated. That it has almost certainly helped me. And I, I don't, I don't feel great admitting that because I like to think that it doesn't really matter where you go to school. And, and I actually don't think that the quality of my education, as far as what I learned in the classroom was all that different than what anyone else you know, would learn. I think colleges, you get out what you put in, right? So if you work hard, the harder you study, the more I think you will get out of it. Like, I wasn't the best student, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think I got as much academically out of it as I, as I could have if I had put more effort in. But having that name kind of attached to your name, it, it does definitely open some doors. And I think that there have been situations, and again, this is not something that I, I don't like that this happened. I don't like that this is a reality, but there have definitely been situations, especially earlier in my career, where I think people were more willing to give me the time of day because I had graduated from this place and that was mm. supposed to give me some cachet. Ultimately, I'm not sure it, you know, it was still up to me once I had my foot in the door, once I had someone's attention to convince that I was worth paying attention to, but I definitely think it, it grabbed people a little bit more and I, I got some ears that I might not have gotten otherwise. Very good. And uh, there's a little thing that uh, doing so, some research, I dug something up that I found fantastic. And uh, uh, actually, I, I never, you didn't mention it here yet, but I heard other podcasts where you haven't mentioned it. And it was the fact that you were an intern at Rolling Stone magazine. I was, was yeah. Yeah, wow, you really dug that up. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, is it really as exciting as it sounds to me? Or is it just, you know, a normal, uh, normal place? So I was an intern at Rolling Stone Uh, and I applied for, when I applied, this was in college, so it was a summer intern. Yeah, yeah. And when I applied, I didn't really understand that there were different departments at magazines like this, and they each had their own different interns. So I thought when I applied, if I, if I got an internship, I'd be like an editorial intern, I'd be like writing stories and researching and talking yeah. to rock stars. It wasn't the case. I was an intern for the advertising department, which is, so I showed up my first day at the job, and they were like, Editorial interns go here, advertising interns go over here. And I like started walking over to the editorial interns. They're like, no, 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 you're, you're with the advertising interns. Having just no idea there were different like internships. Um, and I learned a lot. I worked with great people. And it was, a, it was a fun experience. But it was a lot more learning how magazine ads were sold. I don't even really think they're sold like that anymore because this was way, way back when. It was more about learning how ads, how magazine ads were sold than it was about the editorial process. So I, my dream was to go in and, and do all this editorial stuff and learn about like being a, a music reporter, and I learned zero about that. <laughs> But I did actually learn a little bit about ad sales and how content outlets monetize, and those are lessons that I still use to this day. Um, but it was not the education I thought I would get. It was not uh, like that movie Almost Famous where he's basically writing for Rolling Stone as a kid and like traveling around with rock stars. It was zero, nothing like that. Nothing like that. You know what? It actually just got a little bit even more exciting for me because the advertising part is what, what excites me. So it would be, it's even a little bit better. 
doing what I do, besides podcasting, of course, in the e-commerce world, advertising is, is fascinating. So being able to learn from somebody, even though the process that you learned is a bit outdated now, uh, right? The magazine ads, well, now everything is online. It still would be so fascinating. It, it was it was interesting too to see. It, I will say it was interesting to have a, a courtside seat to how like large advertising deals are closed. So you know, I would have never known. And certainly, it's a bit different today. But it was very interesting how like to, I'm trying to think of a big company, say General Electric or like Sony or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're advertising in a publication, how do those deals? close and those are really big deals and oftentimes they're for hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and there's a lot that goes into that it's very complicated so i think i learned more um than i anticipated even though the first day on the job was a bit of a disappointment <laughs> mm -hmm. yes and then you you founded barband and why would you why did you pick that name Oh, that's a, I, that was kind of random and it was random because I was, I, I spent, so I, I pitched this idea to my co-founders and we knew we wanted to go into business together and we had this idea for this strength sports website. Of course you need a good name, right? It's something that people will remember. And I was like, okay, I'm going to basically lock myself in my apartment one weekend and try and come up with a hundred different names. That was my goal. So I'd come up with like a hundred different names and we can narrow it down from there. And I think, Barbend was the fourth name I thought of. And I was like, that's pretty good. I'm sure the, the website isn't available. I'm sure it's taken. Let me move on. And then I got to like, I came up with a few more ideas and I had like maybe seven on the board. And I was like, wait a minute, let me just see if Barbend is available. Like, let me see who has it. And I just did a quick GoDaddy search for it. Yeah. And it was available. And it was available, available the URL for like four bucks. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That, that's That's it. Um, so that's, that's how the name came about. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's how I do a lot of my name searches as well. I think about them, write them down. And then the only difference is right now I don't use GoDaddy anymore. I would go to go, uh, Namecheap, uh, or Google domains, type it in. And if it's not available, I kind of move to the next one, but yeah, good to know. So now when it comes to the online news, because that's the space that you're in, it seems to to be old news media is, of course, dying, but I don't know. A lot of people say that about everything, email marketing, news, everything is, right? But what I know is still growing is the BuzzFeed news type, right? People seem to love that. Are you doing a little bit of that into um, in Barbin as well? Well, I think BuzzFeed News is, they've gone in a few different directions. I mean, they definitely, they have, BuzzFeed's kind of known for their clickbaity listicle headlines, obviously. Um, but, you know, BuzzFeed also does a lot of in-depth reporting. They do a lot of investigative reporting today. Um, I'd say that Barbend, when it comes to news, uh, the majority of the news we produce, I don't want to get into specific percentages, but the majority of the news we produce is, you know, what you would call um, important that day. So it's, it's an event result. It's a world record. It's someone withdrew from a competition, things relevant to like the day to day in the strength sports we covered. Some of the news we cover is, um, is a little bit more evergreen. It's still news, but it's, it's kind of digging into the why things are changing and it's a less like day to day relevant, more just trends. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the other content we produce is op-eds, uh, training tips, advice, 
workout programs, et cetera, more mm -hmm. in-depth in stuff. Um, we don't do a ton of investigative, report, investigative reporting right now. We don't have an, uh, an investigative reporting unit. Um, that's something I think is very important. I think um, if you're doing investigative reporting, you, you need to have a lot of resources behind it, and it needs to be approached very carefully, and it needs to be fact-checked very carefully. Um, so if you're talking about BuzzFeed News in that sense, we don't have that. I can see Barbara having that at some point in the future, mm -hmm. uh, but it is something that I'd like to build a unit around. Our news these days is more of just keeping folks up to date in strength sports because there aren't really outlets that consolidate everything that's going on in strength sports. We kind of serve as that outlet specifically for news. Very good. And is it easy nowadays building an audience to, to anything? I was going to say to a site like yours, but to anything. Uh, is it easy building an audience? Uh, what do you have to do to get, you know, a loyal audience, somebody that's going to come back again and again? That, that's a, I mean, that's the golden question, right? I was going to say, I'm, I was going to say that's a great question. That's always a cop out because that's just <laughs> someone stalling for time. But ultimately our, our biggest challenge is building a loyal audience where one doesn't necessarily exist, right? You know, can we be the best outlet for strength sports where everyone who wants information about strength sports, be it news, training tips, etc., can we be like the place they start? The answer is we're getting there and we are that for some people, certainly, but we're not that for everyone, for that full audience yet. Um, I want to be that for that full audience, but we're not, we're not there yet. Um, we spend a lot of time finding thinking of a lot of different ways to increase our appeal across platforms. And that's a big reason we're going multi-platform. So we're investing in video, podcasts, things like that, not just our written content, because different people spend different amounts of time on their platforms. You and I might spend a lot of time in the podcasting realm, but a lot of people are spending their time on YouTube and they're building their loyalties on YouTube and they're finding the content creators they love on that platform. Mm -hmm. Barbend, when we, while we started off as almost purely written, we can't do that anymore. We have to go cross-platform. So to build that engaged audience, it's almost like we have to build separate engaged audiences on each of these platforms. Got it. And then do you try to redirect those audiences to your main website, I guess, for, for, your, for your training, for your exercises? Because that's going to be something even harder is getting somebody out of YouTube, for example, and come to your site. Yeah, we definitely want to give people the option. Obviously, barbent.com is, is the home for everything we, we make. But at the same time, um, it's a balance, right? And, and it's something that constantly, there are certain pieces of content on YouTube where it's like, hey, we really want you to go check out a, a more in-depth explanation of this on barbent.com. Here's mm -hmm. a link. But there, there's also some content on YouTube where it's like, well, if they're watching this and they're enjoying this, they're probably going to enjoy this other video we've produced. So we should direct them to that video and maybe they stay on YouTube, but maybe they're staying on our channel and they're looking at other videos we've made on our channel. It is a balance. I wouldn't say we've cracked the code perfectly as to what that is, but there is certainly, there are certainly pockets of content where we want to direct people to the website, content pockets of content where we want to direct people to the podcast or from the podcast. And there's also video content where the most relevant thing I think we can do is show people more video content we've produced. Gotcha. And uh, let's talk about one of your failures once here at uh, Barbind. You tried to monetize with other, something other than ads, and you tried to build in an e-commerce side of things. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I will say right off the bat, the uh, products we 
made, I thought, were very good. So we, we, we decided to sell things like uh, branded foam rollers, weightlifting, really cool weightlifting straps, knee sleeves, and, and belts, actually, weightlifting belts, really high-quality American-made leather weightlifting belts um, that were, like, handmade to order. And the products are, were good. I still use these, these products. I bought some myself. And we sold some. And, like, it wasn't like it was a complete failure. It was revenue. It was a revenue driver. Um, but the problem that we didn't think about was that it took it wasn't what we were best at at the time and it took so much energy from our team to do all this to take care of making sure the products were good making sure orders were fulfilled we you know found some partners to help with that but we still were doing a lot of work behind it right updating the product photos whenever there was a, a change to how something was manufactured we wanted to try and do it the right way but it just took a lot of our time, it took a lot of my time, my business partner's time, our team's time as our team grew. And we realized that while it was a revenue driver, it was taking energy away because we were a very small team at the time. We're still a small team, bigger now. It was taking energy away from our what we were really good at. And the rest of the site was suffering. So we had to just stop it. So shop.barbed.com, we, we paused. I'd like to bring it back someday because I was really proud of a lot of the stuff we produced. I still hear from people who are like, when are you going to start selling those belts again? When are you going to start selling those lifting straps again? Like my friend has one and I really want one. Um, they've all lasted. Like all the, pretty much everyone I talked to about a belt, like still using that belt two years later because they were really high quality. But it just, it just took energy away from where I knew our competitive advantage was. And that was just on the content side. So it was a failure in that, did it produce revenue? Yeah. Did people buy our stuff? Yeah. But it, it really started strangling other parts of our business where we needed that time. Uh, we needed that energy and that focus. So uh, that's something that was a, uh, I'll call it a conditional failure. And hopefully in the future we can start it back up again, but with a better sense of the actual resources and personnel resources we need to put in to make it yeah, for sure. I could see it as being something uh, big. Any anybody that's into fitness, of course, is a big consumer of supplements and, and even workout and proteins and stuff like that. So I could see how maybe even private label option would be. I don't know, maybe something to consider in the future. But. Yeah, I mean, we 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 obviously had to work with different manufacturers for different products. We didn't buy our own factory for everything that we made, right? Yeah, yeah. but we but. Um, I will say because of that, because we had different manufacturers, we worked with different manufacturers to design and make different things. It, it created it created more work, right? Um, yeah. So it's something where we people are good consumers in fitness, but they're also smart consumers, right? So I bring up the weightlifting belt as an example. If we sold someone, if we had a weightlifting belt that was Barbin branded, it was a bad weightlifting belt. It would have. It, would not have looked good and people would have let us know let it you know they would they would let us know so for us it was about finding the right it was a lot of work to find the right partners to actually make the stuff to help us make the stuff um if we did it again i, I think we'd want to be even more uncompromising on, on quality um but again just understanding that it takes a lot of you need to hire a team to manage that you can't just have your editors helping out with it on the side yeah no that that's an excellent point because you definitely do not want a bad product with the name that you built into it was so hard to build and now have a bad product or even even uh, just a bad batch that could ruin everything yeah excellent point so you mentioned the partnerships that you do with a manufacturer how about partnership with other media organizations to to boost everybody do you have yeah. those and how do you get them 
We do, we do. I think our biggest one is with USA Weightlifting, which is actually the governing body for weightlifting in the United States. We are their official media partner. Right. Um, so that's that's an, our, our biggest, and that brings uh, creates a lot of responsibilities for us, but also gives us a lot of cachet and also gives USA Weightlifting a lot of benefits. So, um, you know, we go to the World Weightlifting Championships. It, it's a little bit different than, you know, someone who doesn't have that relationship. We, have, we are established... Um, we have connections and, um, you know, people recognize us as, as having a certain cachet uh, in those spaces because of those official partnerships. We've done some work with, um, uh, the, with CrossFit HQ. We actually streamed, we were an official streaming partner at the CrossFit Games in 2019, which we were very proud of, which was a very, um, very cool thing to be a part of, especially for me having done work with CrossFit uh, previously in uh, a previous career. And, um, you know, we've, we've had syndication partnerships with everyone from Refinery29 to Vice Media. Um, we've done some um, partner content partnerships with outlets that are local to New York, like Men's Health um, is, a, is another one. So these are, that's something I'd like to explore more of in 2020. Most of these partnerships start through, at least the conversations start through personal relationships. You meet someone at an event, you know someone from a previous place you worked or where you both worked. Um, these big organizational partnerships for us tend to start on the individual level. And so one of my resolutions in 2020 is to go out more, be more present at industry events, create more conversations, try and provide more value for other people in the fitness yeah. content industry. And hopefully that creates more partnerships, not only for Barben, but for a lot of the other uh, people in media that I really respect. So Big organizational partnerships, especially in media, often start on a very personal on a very personal level. Is is kind of how I would sum that up. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I was going to ask it because it doesn't seem like something that's very easy to get. You know, I mean, Reebok CrossFit Games, uh, USA Weightlifting, Men's Health, all, every single one of those are huge, of course. So you need uh, you you don't just get in with a simple email, right? <laughs> It's it's definitely something that uh, yeah you gotta you gotta know someone and you gotta you gotta kind of they need to know you can provide value both ways. How about to get good writers and uh, contributors to your site? I know sites like Forbes and Fortune, some some of the big these big sites get offered. I mean, people offer to to be contributors. Uh, but starting out, that doesn't happen. Right about now, you probably get that. People offer themselves. Yeah. We get, we get that. We get dozens and dozens, uh, basically dozens a week at this point, people wow. who want to write for us, which is a cool position to be in, but at the same time, it's a lot to sort through. Mm -hmm. We, um, a lot of our contributors are top thinkers and minds in strength sports. The world record holders or the coaches of world record holders or champion athletes or, or cutting edge researchers. Um, some are people we've had on our podcast and then they become contributors um, a little bit after. And, and some are folks who we meet through our organizational partners like USA Weightlifting. Um, a piece of advice for people who want to write for Barbend or an outlet like Barbend when you reach out, don't just say you want to write for Barbend. Please, please respond. I will not respond if you do that. Like, there's almost a zero percent chance I'll respond if you do that. When you reach out, if you want to contribute to an outlet, tell them what you want to contribute, 
prove to them, make it easy for them, right? Be like, I want to contribute. This is the type of content that I think has unique value for you that I don't necessarily see on your site. Don't just pitch me, oh, I want to write on the back squat. What do you want to write on the back squat? We have 14 articles about the back squat every week. Like, what do you, what do you want? What do you want to say about it? What do you have to say that is going to give our site value? Ultimately, that's going to make me want to bring you on as a writer. So give me headlines. Prove to me you understand our site. Prove to me you understand that you can give something special to our site. And then we will take the time to work with you, edit you, compensate you. We pay our contributors. You know, meet me more than halfway, and I'm much more likely to respond. Very good. Do you think that content is still king? Content is still number one? I think it is, but the, the twist I would put on it is that there, single channel content, I think, is really dying out. And mm-hmm. look, we always bemoan, oh, everything's dying, everything, this is dying, this is dying. But I think you have to diversify the types of content you're making. I think that if, you're, if you truly want to be a content brand, you need to be producing written and video and maybe audio um, written in a, and, uh, and written in a variety of capacities too. There needs to be a visual component. You need to be, you need to understand that people are spending time on different platforms because they like that type of content. They might spend a lot of time listening to podcasts or they might spend a lot of time reading or they might spend a lot of time watching videos. If you want to reach those audiences, don't assume you're going to be able to convert them to taking in your content on a different platform than the one they're spending the most time on. You're going to have to meet them where they are and you're going to have to produce content that's engaging and appealing to them where they are. Yeah. David, what's your, you have a goal set up for 2020 or for the next five years, whatever it is, what's your next biggest goal? I'd say the next biggest goal is one that you, 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 you made me talk about this uh, a few minutes ago and I really appreciate it because it's helped me give some clarity to it in my own mind. So I'm really thankful is, is more organizational partnerships for Barbet because we really enjoy working with other outlets, even other news outlets, even outlets that might technically be our competitors. We love working with, with people, right? Mm-hmm. We, we love, um, we love working with other content creators and, more of those partnerships in 2020, I think it's going to be really fulfilling to us. And I, I think it's not a space where you need to be like so competitive or so protective that you can't work with people who might be producing content in the same realm. I think that actually it's, it's cool when you get to kind of combine forces and really give strength sports, which I think are still underserved in the content space. You get to give strength sports the coverage that we all want to give. And how would you approach a brand or a company that you're interested in partnering with? Or better yet, how, can, how should somebody approach you if they want to do the partnership? I think going, talking about the specific platform is really helpful there. So my goal in 2020, if I'm approaching someone about a partnership, is not to say, hey, I want to work together. What are your thoughts? It's, hey, I want to work together. Let's work together via a podcast or let's work together on this video or let's work together on this specific series of content. Um, so if people are pitching me, what I'd like to see is people reach out and say, Hey, let's partner together. I want to do something with you and your newsletter and our newsletter, or I want to get you on our podcast, get on your podcast and then do this thing. Or I want to partner on this video. So be specific on how you want to partner. It's just like if you're reaching out to be a contributing writer, be specific about what you want to write about. You know what I mean? Come with a, a concrete idea. And even if it's not the best idea, 
if you approach someone with a concrete one, they, they'll take you more seriously. And they'll be like, okay, that might not be the right fit, but I like that this person can actually put some shape to what they're thinking. Yeah, awesome. And then if people would want to find you, do they contact you directly? Do they go to Barband or what's your yes. So um, you can reach out to Barbend on any of our social platforms. Uh, we're at Barbend on Instagram, at Barbend News on Twitter and Facebook. Um, me personally, I'm at D underscore Tao. It's D underscore T-A-O on Twitter. And I'm at David Thomas Tao on Instagram. So feel free to uh, ping me on Twitter. Um, info at Barbend.com is a great way to reach um, some member of our team, uh, those will get kind of distributed to the right departments depending on what the requests are, um, you know, regarding editorial or advertising or partnerships. So those are all very valid ways to find us. Very good, David. Uh, I have those written down. I'm going to add them to the show notes for all of you listening. You can check them out on the show notes. And uh, David, thank you so much. It was a huge pleasure. And uh, I'm going to add you too to my social media because I want to keep in touch. I'll, I'll do the same. I really do appreciate uh, the time and to all the listeners out there. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. This is a podcast where you're going to learn something different every time you listen. And I hope you uh, get something out of this recording too. Awesome. Thank you, David. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.